things are finally starting to cool down. You guys have heard me talk about like fall before or summer or how hot it is. Know that I hate it when it's hot. So now that it's cooling off, it's awakened this deep joy within me. I don't know if you guys feel anything like you guys. I can see a lot of you wearing T-shirts and you must be enjoying it because it's uh, it's getting nice outside. Uh, how many of you guys have been going to high school football games, college football games? Not nearly enough of you. Let's try that again. Everybody here going to football games, high school? Yeah, okay. Well, a few weeks ago, uh, you may have seen me and Steve and Jacob. We were hanging out at the North Gwinnett Peachtree Ridge game. It was great. Go, yeah, go, go Peachtree Ridge. It was awesome. Lots and lots of fun. Uh, yeah, so hey, here's the deal. If you don't know me, my name is Kyle. I'm one of the student ministry residents that comes and hangs out with you guys every single week here at H12. Uh, and uh, tonight we're going to be talking about something that we're all familiar with, okay? So we're in this series called Battlefield, and it's all about conflict. All about conflict. Expressly, entirely, all about conflict, which is something you guys do or at least deal with every single day. And I can't wait to dive into that. But uh, first things first, I want to go ahead and give you your first thing on your notes because it's the most important thing I want you to know before we even start. So get your pens, grab your notes. Here's what I want you to write. There are two truths that we're talking about tonight, two really important ones. And the first one is this. Everyone has conflict. <coughs> Everyone has conflict. Write it down. Even if you're like, but Kyle, I'm perfect. No, you're not. Write it down. Everybody write it. And it's true. Every single person has conflict. So here's what I want to know. How many of you guys have ever had a rival? You know what I'm talking about? Like, a person, that, a person that's kind of like you, maybe a little bit, but you guys are always competing for the same stuff, and they just follow you around like a wart on your hand, like they just never go away, they're there forever. When I was in high school, there was a guy that I knew, his name was Sam Norton. You can Google him, he's a real person, I don't throw out fake names up here, he's a real guy. And uh, we were pretty similar, and uh, he was my rival, and when I say he was my rival, I mean like he was my mortal enemy. I was not a huge fan of Sam Norton. Here's why it was so difficult to get along with him. We were super similar. We played all the same sports. We, bo we both played football. We wrestled. Uh, my, uh, later on in high school, we were in an a cappella group together. We were in like five different choirs, and we were always competing for the same stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, and so, uh, and also we were kind of roughly the same build, same body size, same weight, same strength. And so like we were competing for every single thing. From ages 11 to 18, this dude was just in my way. That's how I saw him. He was a roadblock to success, and I needed to get rid of him. Uh, and so we just competed over everything. And eventually it came to a point where I'd had enough. My freshman year of high school, so we'd had a few years of stewing. Uh, my freshman year of high school, we were at wrestling practice. And uh, Sam had, on the, on the continuum of where we were at, you know, we kind of traded places every once in a while. He grew a little faster than I did, so he was better than me. And I hated it. Hated that guy. Well, yeah, I did. I hated him. So uh, he was a little bit better than me, and we were at wrestling practice competing for the same spot. And so uh, we're getting ready to go, and we're doing that thing that wrestlers do. Shake hands. <laughs> I hate you. And then we shake hands, and we're getting ready to go. And he just gives me this look like he's about to do something crazy. He just has like one of those wide-eyed stares like I'm about to do something. So we're getting ready to go, and then he just hauls back and slaps me across the face as hard as he possibly can. It's one of those moments where I was just like, I didn't even know how to respond. I looked over at my coaches, and they just looked at me like, 
And then they looked at him like, and then they looked back at me and they said, get him. And so I did. I lunged out and I grabbed him by his legs and I drove him down. And then I just started wailing on him as hard as I could. Not punches, open-handed slaps in retribution. And so, again, he was a little bit bigger than me. In a normal match, I think he would have beat me. But I had this righteous fury of, I'm going to destroy you. I was like a Viking conquering a village with slaps. And so I took him down a peg, and I was like, this feels good. And eventually, uh, we stopped. I stopped. I pinned him. <laughs> What's up? And I just felt like that scene in Rocky, like, da, 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 you are the worst. Da, da, da. And he's the only guy that I can say that with. Eventually, things got better, and we were friends, blah, 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 whatever. But I beat him that one time, and it was like, oh, it was, for some reason, our conflict got worse after that for a while and eventually got better. But in that moment, I didn't, I didn't fix anything. I made it a lot worse. And sometimes we have conflict in our lives that we end up just fanning the flame. We make it so much worse. But, uh, but I know I'm not the only one. Some of you guys out there may have rivals, if we're being honest with each other, which we can be. Some of you guys' rivals might be in this room. So be careful. I don't want to give you guys ideas. Don't be slapping each other. But uh, everyone, everyone has conflict. And it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. Everybody has conflict. Even babies. Even babies fight. I know that sounds like, oh, no, babies. Babies fight. And pr to prove it, I have a video. So let's check that out right now. Every time I watch this, I just think, just crawl away. You got it. Like, just move. But they're just like, what were we doing? <laughs> Baby, I don't know. I guess you just forget you're in an argument. It'd be great to see, like, a grown person with that problem. Like, they're throwing punches. You land one, you're like. Yeah, it'd be crazy. <clears throat> but uh, the first truth that we talked about is something that we all can kind of get behind. Like, everyone has conflict. That kind of makes sense. The next thing, though, maybe a little bit of a gut check. Here's what it is. Few people resolve conflict. So go ahead and write that down too. Few people resolve conflict. Right? Those babies have no idea what to do with all that aggression, all that rage that's pent up in their tiny little heart, right? They don't know how to solve the problem. When I was fighting with Sam, I, like, I didn't know how to make our relationship better. I had no idea. And so I, I, I really had nowhere to go with that. The conflict was going to continue happening because I had no idea how to resolve it. And this lack of resolution can oftentimes lead to a situation where it has to be win or lose. Somebody's got to be on top. Somebody's got to be down here. 
We create situations like that where we think, well, if he wins, I lose. So I, I want to be the one who wins and he can lose. And when you create a win-lose situation like that, it's like you win the battle, but you lose the war. Because that relationship is toast. And uh, there's an actual name for that idea, winning the battle, losing the war. It's called a Pyrrhic victory. Okay? It's a real word. I know it looks like I just made it up or it's like sneezed it on there, but no, that's it. Pyrrhic victory. And it basically means that when you, when you put all of your resources into winning a battle, it puts you at a deficiency and then you end up losing the war because of it. So you win a little fight, but then you lose the big thing. Okay? And there's a historical example of this. I don't know if you guys ever get caught watching history documentaries or anything. It's usually when I'm sitting on the couch already, big tub of ice cream, and I'm like, well, I don't have the remote, so I guess I'm watching the History Channel. Uh, but uh, there's, this great, there's this great story uh, of a battle in the, uh, in the Civil War, or excuse me, in the American Revolution called the Battle of Bunker Hill. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it. So, yeah, yeah, America! Woo! History, yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, so basically here's how this worked. The Colonials, which is us, had about 1,000 men stationed at the very top of that hill, okay? And then the British had 2,000 men, which is twice as many if you're good at math. And they were all better supplied. They were basically just better soldiers. We were hosed. But the, the colonials at the top had the better position. So the British sent one wave up, and the Americans just kind of annihilated them. They were done. That's them just kind of splayed about. Then they sent up another wave, and they beat back that wave too. And then they finally sent up a third wave and chased the Americans off and claimed the top of the hill. But it ended up costing the British 1,000 soldiers. That's half, 50%. That's not, a good, that's not a good grade, if you know grades. It's not a good grade. And so uh, what's crazy about that is that they won that battle, but soon after, they lost a slew of other battles that ended up costing them the war. They didn't have the resources, they didn't have the manpower, and it cost them. And now, we're the United States of America. Let freedom ring, amen. <clears throat> so that's an example of a good loss. But uh, here are a few examples of some other Pyrrhic victories. I don't know if you guys are fans of Pokemon Go, or you once were in your day, let's say you're out just flicking Pokeballs all over the place, and you catch a Pikachu. Yeah, that girl you like, she likes you now, because you caught that Pikachu. But then you run out of Pokeballs. Oh no, you're done. You have to be done for the day. Also, there's no Pokestops or whatever. Like, you just have to assume, okay, I'm done. You don't have anything to keep going. You end up losing. Uh, and then let's talk about Taco Bell for a second, just for a moment. It's good when you eat it, and it's not good later. I don't want to, like, get too graphic, but Taco Bell is ultimately losing the war. Do we get where I'm going with that? I think we get where I'm going with that. So here's what I want you to catch. Here's what I want you to catch. Battles are short-lived, right? Battles are all about the short term. If you can win the battle, maybe you gain some ground. Maybe you feel like you've got something going for you, you've got momentum or whatever. But it doesn't last very long. Wars are long-term. They've got long living consequences that can affect a history of a nation. We won, the, we won the American Revolution, now we're America, right? If that had gone a different way, we wouldn't be here. So which do you think is more important, winning a really awesome battle or a small war? A small war. Yeah, thank you. I'm looking for an answer. You guys can say it if you want. A small war. It, has, it just is inherently bigger, okay? It matters more. And... Uh, our arguments are like that. When we argue, when we choose to start a fight, 
A lot of times we put ourselves in a situation where we think, I've got to win. But it's a short-term win. And then you end up hurting your relationships, right? And then, but relationships are long-term. Relationships are the things that matter five, ten years down the road. And so which do you think is more important? You win a fight so good that you make that person cry, or you maintain a relationship that maybe later will bring you joy and happiness in your life? I'll wait. Relationships. Yes. Relationships are ultimately what's important. So maybe some of you feel like this doesn't really apply to you. Okay? I, I, know, I know some of you out there like, my relationships are great. My parents are awesome. Uh, I love all of my friends, and everybody loves me. Things are awesome. Okay? Well, let me paint you another picture. How many of you have ever had a teacher give you a bad grade? Oh, yeah, it can flip your opinion of them like that. You're like, oh, you're my favorite. I wish you were dead. Like, uh, as soon as that bad grade comes into your life. Well, if you choose, if you choose to go and fight that grade, I think you've got two ways that you can do it, and both have drastically different results. You could choose to get all upset, create a scene, make a fight, call your mom. Your mom can be like calling your teacher. Mom, please, you gave me a bad grade. I can't solve it myself. You need to fix this for me. Then you just burn that bridge and the teacher hates you forever. Or you could take that loss. You could take that grade, move forward, build on your relationship with your teacher, and then maybe you might find more favorable grades in the future. If you were to look at that a year later, you would go, I'm glad I didn't fight that fight in the now so that I could win the relationship later. And we got to realize that a lot of our relationships are like that. Uh, so we agree every person kind of has conflict, uh, but few people resolve them and it costs us our relationships. The truth is, if we think short term, then we end up damaging things in the long term. And so I want to take a look at uh, a story in the Bible that is actually <laughs> almost exactly uh, where this is headed. So uh, here's what I want you guys to do. If you could reach down, grab a Bible out from under your seats or from uh, the one that's down beneath you, and we're going to turn to page 1,137. 1,137, we're turning to Romans chapter 12, verse 17. While you guys are turning there, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit just about the backstory. So uh, Jesus had a bunch of disciples. One of those disciples was named Paul. People like to say that Paul was really awesome, and it's true, he was. And so in this one, he is writing about, uh, he's writing to the Roman church, trying to teach them how to live differently. They've spent a lot of time just doing things wrong, doing things for selfish reasons. He's trying to guide them back to the right way, and he unpacks how to deal with conflict. And so we're going to take a look at that first verse in verse 17. It says this, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of of everyone. So right off the bat, Paul goes after it. He lays it out. He lays it on thick. And he's basically saying that just because somebody does evil doesn't mean that we owe them one back. That's a pretty prevalent idea. If somebody punches you in the face, like 90% of your friends are going to be like, <laughs> punch him back. So when an evil is done to you, you feel like, man, I'm owed something back. I'm owed retribution. I can, you know, I'm going to defend myself. If somebody pranks you, you look for a way to prank them back, right? That's how a good prank war starts. And if somebody bows up and pushes you, you're going to get right in their face and push back. That's the temptation. That's what we oftentimes do. Uh, and then he makes a statement that's kind of hard to swallow, uh, but it's so good. The second part of this verse is, is incredible for this reason. Uh, you're not only supposed to not repay evil for evil, but you have to do what's right. So that's twofold. Not only do you have to say no to doing something back to them, but you have to say yes to doing the right thing. That's a twofold answer and a twofold response. You have to do something on top of that. 
And so here's a scenario that you guys may have encountered. I don't know if it's just me. But uh, let's say you're out on a Saturday morning and you're shopping with your mom and she buys you great clothes. At least, at least that's how my mom is. And you find the most awesome sweater. Okay, great color, great texture, great fabric. Ladies, you know what, I, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, and it fits you just right and you think, I'm going to wear this on Monday and everybody's, I'm going to be the envy of the school. You wear it there and then somebody just has to rain on your parade. A girl comes up to you, probably named Jenna, right? It's always Jenna. And she says to you, uh, wow, <laughs> cool sweater. Very sarcastically, right? How rude. Oh my gosh, the worst. How rude. And then you do the only thing that you can think to do in the moment. You go, wow, nice face. <laughs> Boom, got her. In reality, that doesn't solve any problem. And that's a really funny example, but it's the truth. When you return something back, you, you oftentimes fan the flames. So that could have been resolved. You could have just walked away. You could have just said it to yourself, oh, wow, nice face. And then it's like, it's just as good if you laugh at yourself. I think it's just as good. But when you do that, you stoke the fire. You, you burn that bridge. You hurt a relationship. And so when I say that, you guys may be thinking, you might have one question, why would we do that? Why would I spend time trying to repair relationships? If people are angry with me and they choose to act that way, why would I want to do anything nice for them? Why would I want to repair a relationship that they're so adamant about ruining? And the reason, I mean, God, why would God ask us to do that? It's right here in verse 18. It says this, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. See, it's not about being right it's not about being right. It's not about having your rights, and it's not about making a point. What God is saying through this passage is that making peace is more important than making a point. The best thing that you can do is strive to keep those relationships healthy as far as you can keep them healthy. That's the great part of that verse. It says, as far as, if, as, uh, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace. And so the work is on your end. Even though it may never pay off, the work is on your end. Uh, and God is telling us that those are the most fruitful and helpful relationships. And so here's what I know. This is honestly just me. Sometimes I have to be right. I just can't help it. And when I win, everyone loses. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. But I will fight tooth and nail. I will say whatever I have to say to win if I feel like it will advance me. You know what I'm talking about? And what you do is you leave behind a trail of people who just don't want anything to do with you. They might not be too keen on spending time with you. Uh, and this is especially as prevalent in, in our dating relationships. So you, you're going to learn about this a lot more. But in dating relationships, you spend a lot of time focused on what the other person wants. And you sacrifice what you want. And it's really hard when you always think, oh, no, no, I've got the right answer. Let me just tell you the answer and it'll fix your problem. And all they really want you to do is listen. And so what you find is that when you, when, you make, when you make it a point to be right, your relationships suffer. Not just your friendships, not just your family, but your future spouse. And so if you can't find a way to let go of winning the battles in favor of winning the war, your relationships are going to suffer forever. And thankfully, there's a way that we can do this. He makes it really clear tells us that there is a way that we can protect our relationships. There's a way that we can make peace rather than make a point. And the Bible gives us two things to do to make peace. And I just want to unpack them right here uh, in verse 19 through 20. It says this, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, 
It is mine to avenge. I will repay. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. So revenge is what happens when we forget that God is in control. We think it is our job to dole out justice. We become the long arm of the law. Imagine if the government, you went to the, you went to the police and you said, hey, this guy stole my TV and they just handed you a knife. And they were like, <laughs> go get him. <laughs> that's not how justice is supposed to work. And that's certainly not how God's justice works. He's not asking us to go handle it. What he's asking us to do is trust that he is going to handle it. That's what it means. He delivers justice. And I love what it says about heaping burning coals on his head. Like that's some, that's some country punishment right there. I'm pretty sure that's not an ancient massage technique. I think that he's saying he's getting some country revenge. Uh, and I think that that is, is one of the most important things I want you guys to remember. Is that we don't get revenge. We don't fight to try and one-up somebody It's not about getting back at anybody, and it's not about winning. It's about protecting the relationship. And God has given us clear ways to do that. He says, don't get revenge. Revenge is mine. I'll repay. Don't get revenge. And Paul made sure to include this idea in this next verse, and he says this, do not become, or do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Our tendency sometimes is when someone else is doing something bad, we think that we're entitled to do that same thing. I'll give you an example. How many of you guys can drive? Good, most of you. Okay. I don't know if you've ever encountered this situation, but sometimes I'll just be driving, cruising, and I'll be almost to a light. And then that light will turn yellow. And then as I'm going under it, that light turns red. And I think, if I was a cop, I I would pull me over. That was really close. But then you look in your rearview mirror and you see some daredevil zipping behind you to try and make the light. And I always think, oh, my thing is less bad because of what he did, right? The cop has to pull that guy over. His his mistake is not my permission to keep doing that. And so we get caught up in that sometimes. You, you You think that somebody else doing something wrong is permission for you to do the same. And, it's, and I'll tell you what, it comes up in a lot deeper places than just that. Someone, someone wrongs you, so you feel good about wronging them. Someone ignores you, so you feel like it's okay to ignore them, right? You think, you think you've seen silent treatment, wait till you get my silent treatment, right? Somebody hurts your feelings, or maybe they gossip about you, or maybe they lie to you, or maybe they lie about you. Then we let that evil overcome us, and it overpowers us, and it overshadows any good part of that relationship. It can undo the fabric of a relationship if you start to think, man, I am owed this. I can do this because he did it. And here's the deal. Jesus came for the exact opposite reason. He did not come to pay it back. Jesus came to pay it forward. The truth of this is that rather than get upset about the evil in the world and the hurt that people were causing him, Jesus came and died and suffered for us so that he could prove that the value of paying it forward was more important than just getting revenge. If Jesus had gotten revenge, the story would have looked a lot different. And it wouldn't be as pretty. And it wouldn't be filled with grace. Just because evil is around me doesn't mean there has to be evil in me. Just because there's evil around you 
does not mean that there has to be evil in you. People love to say like, oh man, I was, I was made this way. I just grew up in this neighborhood and it made me this way. What God is saying here is that you do not have to be evil just because evil is around you. And you may not hear that everywhere. So instead of taking revenge, there's a different thing that we can do. There's one thing. So you say, don't take revenge. Well, what can you do? Here's what you can do. You can choose peace. You can make that choice. You can choose peace. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with those around you. You get to choose peace. You don't have to fight it out. You don't have to take revenge. You don't have to defend. You don't have to go get justice. You don't have to let everybody know what an awful person that person is just to feel better about yourself. You don't have to go seek out what they're, you don't have to go ruin them just to make you feel better. That's not what God is asking. He said you can choose peace. We don't have to win the argument, but we do have to win the relationship. God is calling us to a standard where we fight for the relationship, not just fight to be right. Can't, you can't miss that. We can't fight just to be right all the time because you're going to be empty, it's going to hurt, and your relationships are going to suffer. Just like we talked about earlier, not just your friends, not just your family, but your future family, your future spouse, your future friends will suffer from that. And so I want to close with this story. Uh, it's, a, it's a story of a, a pretty popular guy in the Bible and it's just a story of, of great courage, great love. But what's amazing is that there's, it's, it's a story of great peace. There's an internal peace within this guy. So there's this kid. Uh, and the kid is anointed. Basically, that means he's meant for something incredible. And he gets told that. And the current king of the nation at that time just gets a little frustrated, a little jealous. Because he had the anointing. Now it's passed to this kid. And so the kid comes to live with the king, and he just gets more and more frustrated. But the kid keeps doing better and better, right? They, uh, he's doing so well, and he's growing so fast and doing so many amazing things that they start to sing songs in the kingdom about him. They say, oh, this king, he's, he's killed his thousands, but this guy, he's killed his ten thousands, tens of thousands. And so uh, he starts to grow in his frustration, and, and he grew angry and jealous, and he starts trying to kill him at the dinner table. He's humming spears trying to kill this guy. And so the kid gets up and he just runs away. He leaves out of fear. The king is so angry he pursues him, chases him down, tries to kill him. So the kid finds himself in this cave. He's in a cave. And while the king is searching for him, he goes into that cave. And the kid is so close to his enemy that he could reach out and touch him. If I were in that situation and somebody had been chasing me, ruining my life, breeding such great fear in me, threatening everything that I am and that I love, I might be tempted to reach out there and kill him. But that's not what he does. He realizes that God has chosen him to be king and he's not going to take care of the justice for God. And so he reaches out and he just cuts off a piece of his cloak. And so the king walks out. And then as soon as he gets kind of a far way off, the kid walks out. He says, look what, I, look what I didn't do. Look what I spared you from. And the king is so moved by that that he leaves. He stops pursuing him. But it doesn't last long. That's what we find about these relationship fights is that sometimes you forget, you forget why you stopped fighting. And so he comes back and he's chasing him again. 
and the kid finds the king in a tent sleeping with no guards around. And rather than reach out and strike him down, he steals a jug of water and he steals a spear and he walks out and he waits for the king to wake up. And when the king walks out, the kid is holding the two items and he says, look what I didn't do. I protected you even though you have chased me down, even though you've tried to kill me, I did not reach out to try and hurt you. So uh, some of you may have figured out, but that kid's name is David, as in King David, one of the greatest heroes of the Bible. And the king was King Saul, and he's one of the greatest villains. Started off great, but he was so focused on winning the fight, it took him away from the relationships that mattered the most. And so David made the choice to pursue peace, even when it was really hard. <laughs> even when it would have been so much easier to just kill the guy who had been chasing him down and getting in his face and trying to murder him. But David knew that God carried out justice, and it wasn't his role. And so everyone goes to war. Some people go to war to fight to just win. They want to win the argument. They want to they win uh, against people, but what I want to encourage you guys to start thinking about is what does it look like for you to win the relationship? What does it look like for you to let go of just winning the fight in favor of winning with people? And so I have a, I have a question for you guys. Which, which camp would you find yourself in? Would you be the kind of person who always argues? I know that I, I spent a season of my life where that was me. With my parents, I fought on everything, and it tore our family apart. So I want to ask you, do you find yourself in that camp where you have to fight, you have to prove something to you and to them, and you have to be right? Or do you find yourself in the camp that you want to protect your relationships? Are you in favor of just letting go of winning the battle so that you can win the war? I want to ask you, what will you fight for? Will you fight for relationships, or will you fight for yourself? I know that's a tough question, but uh, you guys will get some time in small groups to talk, and I really encourage you to think really deeply about what do you do naturally? And so as we close out, I just want to remind you guys that making peace is important. It will be important forever. It's not just important now, but it is important for you in your seats and for in your schools and on your sports teams and in your homes that you pursue peace. So let's pray. God, thank you so much um, for the gift it is to come here to H12 and hang out and, and just be together and be with you. God, I pray that you would be revealing tonight, that you would reveal darkness in us, reveal pride in us, and show us where we have to be right. Would you remove it? God, we know this series is all about conflict, and so I pray that conflict would be resolved from this. If there's somebody that we need to go talk to, God, would we go talk to them? If there's a group of people that we need to say something to, would we say something to them? Not out of anger, not out of, not out of trying to win the fight, God, but out of restoring the relationships. God, you've blessed us a lot. And I pray that we would understand how important peace is to you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.